Hey folks, it's Jeremy, the host of Blamo. Thanks so much for listening. This is a preview of one of our exclusive shows on Patreon. These are member-supported shows, meaning they only happen because of our incredible members and community. So check out a preview of the episode, and if you like it, consider joining us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Blamo, where we have tons of exclusive Blamo episodes, shows, our amazing Slack group, and we're adding new things for members all the time. If not, no worries, we still love you, and we literally have hundreds of episodes of Blamo all free for you to dive into. Thanks so much. Hey everyone, this is Derek. I'm so happy to be doing a podcast with Blamo. For our first episode, Jeremy, Rob, and I talk about my recent article on the evolution of tailoring. I wrote this because I think there's so much focus on the biggest names in Savaroe, but I think the most interesting work is actually being done by the small independent houses that are run by cutters. The suits tend to be a little bit more affordable, and I think the work is higher end. We chat about the article, discuss what you can expect to pay for a bespoke suit, and talk about the stash of rare apparel arts magazines that Jeremy found at a garage sale. Let's dive in. No, we were just talking about the the length of the of Derek's articles here, specifically the the one we'll talk about, the new faces of tailoring. I I will say, we gotta we gotta find some way to normalize actual long form writing on the internet because I think it, it's fantastic. But yeah, I mean it's it's a trek, and I'm but I feel thoroughly um, educated and inspired after reading it. Mm. Although I saw that eclected man article, and that was also really long. Yeah. See? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, especially for like ad supported. And this is Rob, by the way. Um, in case you don't recognize my voice, a little congested. But I'm doing Rob and okay. Rob, also known as Howlin' Wolf now. Exactly. My favorite <laughs> blues singer of all time. Exactly. Yeah. That Eclected Man article was also really long. I was just thinking like 10 years ago or 15 years ago, people posted a photo of their socks and shoes and they wrote like two paragraphs. And now it seems like a lot of people just write really, really, really long posts. Um, I agree things should be shorter. Um, I think it's just like for really short topics, I have run out of things to say. Like I can't just say like, here's how you wear a Navy jacket with great pants anymore. <laughs> no, that's that's fine. Again, I, I want to normalize this because – you know, historically, right, you would get something like this. So I, I bought a truckload of old apparel arts magazines. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, of course. But where did you buy? Yeah. Those are really expensive. Uh, yeah, I found them at an estate sale. Um, get the fuck out of here. Really? <laughs> I swear to you. Yeah. I got. How many did you get? Um, Maybe like 14 or 15. Are you? Um, how much did you pay? um i i told them that she was selling them for like 50 cents each and i was like hey i was like they're worth more than this and i was like i'll give you a hundred bucks for the whole stack and she was like wow okay sure so i gave her a hundred where where was this estate still um in 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 missouri are they still open st louis are they still open how how quickly can i get there my god wait those things are those things are so expensive like a single issue would run you like Probably a hundred bucks. Mm. They're they're like encyclopedias, and they also one of them has little fabric 
like yeah 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 pieces yeah. in it um yeah. i think a lot of the stuff it's been you know it's kind of fallen out but i got that i got a bunch of old life magazines um like life magazines that are basically talking about like world war Two and <laughs> and like gary cooper and like it's it's uh this is like 30s and 40s era stuff where they're talking about like man like what's going on in germany you think anything's gonna happen over there <laughs> There's like, a little bit of me that worries about this episode being too niche because <laughs> I've I read everywhere about how tailoring's dead and like especially bespoke tailoring is like a very niche part of tailoring. So there's a bit of me that worries that. But then I talked to Dan of um a fine tooth comb. He's a he's a blogger and he also is a listener and supporter of this podcast. And um oh, he said cool. he he likes um he just likes it when people go off about things that they are excited about. So I'm kind yeah. Welcome of to podcasting. Just my <laughs> interest in this thing will carry the subject, but I do recognize it's incredibly niche. The thing I was going to make about the apparel art stuff is I looked through it, and it's like some somewhat like longer articles. Like there are things, yeah. and it's it's basically <laughs> it's basically just like you know, wow that. The times are come and 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 you look at the the farm and you debate going to the city and it's like what feels like a you know two paragraph introduction to basically just say order yeah. tweed <laughs> yeah 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 I know I love that stuff I feel like it is um, it's just it was incredibly niche like fifteen years ago and it has only gotten more niche I. It used to be that people like settled like fierce debates on the internet um, with apparel arts articles. Um, they would, they, I mean, people just like scream at each other, like, you know, vociferously about how to do this or how to wear that. And then someone posted an apparel arts article and that was like, that was like the final, final, you know, point. But now like oh, nobody in terms really, of, like the truth. Yeah. Like people were so passionate about this kind of, this very niche area of tailoring. Whereas, I don't think anyone cares about apparel arts, apparel arts anymore on the internet. Um, even in like very niche uh, tailoring circles, people ju- just do not bring it up. But I, I really love that stuff. I, I think it's um, you know I'm not like interested in cosplay per, per se. Although I don't have a problem with people who are like strict recreationists. Mm-hmm. But I really like that um, style. That kind of um, yeah, I just I love everything about that kind of era of tailoring. Rob, do you know what we're talking about? Apparel arts. You know, I was going to ask, like, can you describe what it is other than it's kind of like an encyclopedia? And can it it was a trade publication. It was a trade publication um, that was printed as as kind of like a magazine, a periodical. And it would be given to people in the trade, so like clothiers, and the clothiers would flip through it and use it as a way to guide their customers. So if a customer came in and said, "Oh, I'm getting dressed for," whatever, a wedding in this in this area, how should I dress? A clothier would be able to guide this person on how to dress, um, given what they know about, about dress. But eventually, the publication landed in some people's hands that were not in the trade. Um, and it grew in popularity. And I think around the 1920s or 1930s, um, it was morphed into Esquire, uh, which is... Is, which is, of yep. course, a consumer-facing publication, and um, if you if you look at like GQ and Esquire today, 
it's very much like of the trends. And then they show you a photo and they say suit by Zenya, tie by Drake's and shirt by Cuccinelli, whatever. But in those apparel arts articles, it was nothing like that. It was just um, how to dress, quote unquote, in good taste. I put that in quotes because even the New Yorker at the time, um, in the, I want to say like early, sometime around the 1910s, published a cartoon lampooning. Um, oh, no, uh, this was a, a cartoon in the 1930s. It was lampooning Esquire, the early days of Esquire, which was right around apparel arts time. And um, it showed a, a man dressed absurdly, just like 50 different patterns and like this, this crazy kind of outfit. And then it said, and he was in this very conservative kind of like stiff upper lip party. And um, the cartoon showed some people whispering behind his back saying, oh, I heard he reads Esquire. So I think even at the time, conservative people thought that apparel arts and Esquire were not necessarily in good taste. It was just fashion. But for the people who love 1930s to like 1980s tailoring, apparel arts really captured a certain kind of taste, a certain kind of yeah. logic. Like you wear, you wear tweed in the country, you wear navy suits in the city you know this this is how to dress in a tasteful way which is so it's kind of like a rule book of the golden age of of tailoring right before the internet yes. before you could be like oh i have to go to a wedding and like people are like what time is it like what suitable attire yeah um, i mean yeah. here's here's something you know the fall trend for the undergraduate nice. for dinner yeah. when it is necessary to dress one button single breasted peak lapel dinner jacket with dull silk grosgrain facings a narrow bosom starch plain linen dress shirt with two studs a white-winged collar of medium height with large tabs, a backless white single-breasted piquet waistcoat for campus and general country wear. I, th- I mean, it's I can go yeah. on and on. Yeah. And that that's technically um and in like an I don't know, that's 1934. Um, you should yeah. <clears throat> there should be a if whole you, channel if, where you just call in and like get it's kind of like phone sex for like tailoring geeks. <laughs> yeah. If you just like say you, it a little huskier. Sorry, if Derek. you're the kind of guy that looks at tailoring from the 1930s to 1980s and say, wow, that looks beautiful, apparel arts is, is basically the recipe book. Yeah. It's to figure out how to get that look. Yeah. And if folks really, really want it, I have a bunch of scans that I can upload. Um, mm. It's probably illegal that I do that, but who cares? It's got to be uh, almost 100 years now. It doesn't matter. But more importantly, you can go to the New York Public Library and they have these. Yeah. And you can like check them out and scan them and, you know, do, you know, do whatever you want. Um, the condition is like not that great, but, um, you know, there, there's, there's stuff in there. Like here's, here's something, this is from 1933. <laughs> I'm going to read this real quick and then we got to jump in. Um, it is impossible to overemphasize the importance of soft, rough fabrics in any consideration of clothes for campus wear. The popular, the popularity of rougher cloths and browns and lavats, both in tweeds of the Harris type, and in the soft handling of homespuns, Shetlands and Saxonies is universal among the better-dressed members of the fashion-setting groups of upperclassmen at Princeton and Yale. This coat sketched here it. with four-patch pockets. I mean, like, th- I, this is... They're I love very the language. long-winded I sentences. Love, <laughs> yeah. I love Dude. the language. I love the phrasing. I love the specificity they get into the types of wools. It's... Yeah. Oh, God. It's inc- it's it's, it's so definitely incredible, and I I will upload this 
this thing on the on the Patreon if people want it. Because there's a bunch of stuff. There's some stuff that I had that I had ripped from London Lounge like 20 years ago or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there there's a lot of things in there and I'll take photos of it, but yeah, it's 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 pretty gnarly. So, hmm. so I that, wanna... that's the old world of tailing. Oh, go go ahead, Rob. One last take on it. I, I find that <clears throat> excuse me, fascinating because I have heard um it expressed that like back in the day, like these kinds of dress codes would be handed down from like, you know, from father to son. Um yeah. and this suggests that, you know, there's always been like a part of tailoring um yes. especially as it pertains to special events that have just always been a code mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's definitely <clears throat> i don't know i mean that this these are all when people talk about like the rules the, mm. like the whole magazine is not even like an editorial it's they're basically rules i mean it's like wear this it, you know it doesn't even say um, mm. you know, check this out or, or, but it's like, buy this, wear this, this is the thing that you need. But a lot of it is aimed, I would imagine toward a younger, more affluent, um, individual. I mean, there's there, the amount of Ivy, uh, like Ivy league name dropping through this is just, it just leaks with this stuff everywhere. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, the new world tailoring i don't know what you want to call it, but the article is the new faces of tailoring um derek you wrote this this is one of your your recent pieces that you know some people might be listening to this for the the tldr others might just want to get nuts into things but i, I want to kind of kick us off because i think the thing that you did here which conscious or not definitely shows the like global diversity that's happening, I think, uh, in tailoring. I mean, obviously everything can get better, but I mean, you, it's, it's not like three white dudes on the row. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's existed in tailoring for, for Ever. decades, right? I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> it, I think it is, um, I mean, I wanted, I didn't want it to just be about Italian tailors or Japanese tailors or British tailors. So I tried to sample, I mean, I, I left some tailors out that I otherwise would have you know included but i tried to like, yeah, like corcos or somebody there. yeah well i've done an article on corcos um but yeah i mean he for example i he's in terms of my personal list of tailors i would like to use i would love to use him except that he doesn't visit san francisco um mm. but there are i think there are just so i think there are there's always this conversation about how tailoring is dying and it is dying fewer people are getting into the trade that's also true. It's just it's just an ever shrinking trade. At the same time, I think um, there are exciting things going on, and um, you know, I, I I never want to focus on like the the bad stuff. I want to focus on the interesting things, and I think there are just so many mm-hmm. interesting up and coming tailors, and we're in this like really interesting time where I think um, the independents, personally, in my view, the independents are doing much more interesting work. Than the old established mm. houses, um, I think they do much more reliable work. I think they do um, <clears throat> much more interesting work, and it's just a. I think it's mm. a very interesting time if if you're interested in in bespoke tailoring. Yeah, like w- what is some of the? Because w- one thing that you said is you did say that like tailoring is dying, and I agree. But I think it's like the definition of tailoring 
it's it's dying if the definition of tailoring is bespoke, right? But like it's definitely not dying if you look at how these companies are like doing better than they ever have, but they're evolving what tailoring mm. is for them in the sense that I mean shirt jackets and chore coats right now. I mean I I, I literally placed an order for like three or four different things with P. Johnson that I recognize is not the traditional quote tailoring quote, but it is what I'm wearing as tailoring now. And they are just crushing it with these things. I agree. Um, but a shirt jacket and short coat doesn't have the shaping that goes into a suit jacket or sport yeah. coat. And, right? it's, it's and just obviously not the handwork. Yeah. Yeah. Not it's the handwork. Just... But even if it had the handwork, I mean, the handwork to me is, mm. is superficial. The, the, the crux of what makes, um, traditional tailoring so beautiful is that you can build up a person's shape um, using hair cloth, canvas, padding. And mm. um, I don't think any other garment does that. Um, that doesn't mean that you can't create new silhouettes with casual wear. Mm-hmm. You know, like bomber jackets are round and overcoats can have long el- elongated shapes or elon shapes. You have many different shapes that don't necessarily, you know, there's still a shell. Um, right, right. But the the beautiful thing about tailoring is that you can get a V-shaped figure, which is kind of the mm. um, platonic ideal of a of a masculine silhouette. And you can't, and I think it's also a useful silhouette as you age, um, because you you know you might be gaining some pounds in the midsection. I say that as a person who <laughs> has gained some pounds over the years. Um, and it the nice may. thing about tailoring is is that you can get this V-shaped figure. Um, it's like a wonderfully flattering garment. Um, but it is, I don't think ready to wear tailoring is dying. And I don't think bespoke will ever fully go away. But the bespoke tailoring scene is certainly much smaller than it was in the 1950s. What is the reasonable price for tailoring now? It's heavily dependent on, um, are we talking about bespoke? Well, like for, from the people that you were talking about in your article. I mean, you know, it's, so you talk it's heavily, about fr- it, it's heavily dependent on where they're based, right? Because it's dependent on what that person needs to pay themselves, eat, mm. and put a roof over their heads. So one of the companies that I talked about um, in the article is ISRT Italiani. It's run by um, uh, a gentleman named Salvatore uh, Ioko. And mm-hmm. he's based, his company is based in Palermo, just near Sicily. And, um, and the CMT price, which means cut, make, trim, uh, CMT price means that you provide the person fabric um, and they do all the cutting, making, and trims. The CMT price for a two-piece suit at ISRT at the last trunk show was 1,100 euros, which given the current exchange rate is pretty close to $1,100. However, that was like an introductory price that they were doing to get new customers in the U.S. And he told me that he was going to mm-hmm. raise prices on his. Sure, we won't. Show. We won't I, quote you on it, but yeah. Yeah. So, so if you look at ISRT, you're looking at a two-piece bespoke suit for at least the last trunk show around a thousand one hundred. But as you go to London, where wages and um, real estate is much higher, uh, especially yeah. if you're based in London. You know, um, on Savile Row, for example, um, a Huntsman suit now, I think, for the U.S. trunk shows is close to 9,000, somewhere around there. <laughs> um, 
So $9,000 or, or 9,000 pounds? $9,000. Okay. That's still, um, that's, still I, that's still a lot. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think like, I think, um, Anderson and Shepard, I don't, I don't know the exact prices for Anderson and Shepard, but I want to say it's around $5,000. So mm. I think if you're looking at a bespoke suit from Savaro, you're generally looking at like five to $7,000 for a two piece suit versus if you are looking at, uh, Sicily, prices are cheaper. If you even go up to Milan, the, the wages and the real estate's higher, so you're going to be paying more. So it's less about the, it, when we're looking at a global scale in terms of what bespoke suit costs, it's less about the quality of the work and more about where that person is based because that person has to pay their rent and their, you know, their wages and everything. Add sure. on to that travel, um, travel costs and all that was going to push the price up. So if you're local, if you're in Sicily, then certainly you can get a bespoke suit for even cheaper than a thousand one hundred. But you know, uh, for people in the U.S., that's you're gonna have to you have to rely on traveling tailors. Yeah, I mean, I remember going to Naples with uh, Salvatore Ambrosi um, at one point when you know, because like right now as we're recording this, PT one was going on, and a lot of times it's like you know that that's that's the way that you get to to Naples at least of the friends in my sort of sphere. It's like you go to PT and then you also go to Naples or whatever during that time. Cause you just jump on the train, but Salva would, would take me around to different places and you know, whether it was like Salito or, or any of these other folks, like you, you'd kind of pop in and other tailors. I'm not going to mention for this, for what mm-hmm. I'm about to say. And like, I would go in and this was before he had introduced me and I was looking at things and they were like, basically like what do you want <laughs> they're like here's a navy and it's uh you know four thousand euro and i was like wow like that's crazy and they're like you know we can start fitting you now and i'm just like what the hell and i go in there and then salva walks in and you know obviously i all yeah. of a sudden get like the the mates rates discount where yeah. he's like don't pay him right now have him measure you um you know you can pay when you pick it up and like this unfortunately like definitely felt like the norm of my experience with like neapolitan tailors that didn't travel like that ones that were like there had to be kind of an intermediate uh between us but like i say that in the sense like i don't mind if a suit costs five thousand or ten thousand or one thousand but like i do kind of want to know especially like for folks that are listening because some people are like i need to get a suit I will pay what it costs, but like, what is, what, you know, like Derek, what do you think the norm should be? Um, I, I understand based on everything you said of where they're located, but like, what do you think is, this is the best for the money or this is. Well, know. I would say if you're, if you're based in the United States um, and you're, mm-hmm. well, if you're based in the United States period, you're probably relying on, on a traveling tailor. And generally speaking for a two piece suit, I think you should go into um, the search expecting to pay four thousand dollars for a two-piece suit i think that's like the Mm. baseline you're like ballpark around there um of course Mm. if we're talking about the broader discussion of custom tailoring in the past five to seven years there have been all these new models of bespoke tailors doing garments straight to finish and these like Mm -hmm. different ways that bespoke tailors are trying to become more competitive in a ready-to-wear world um so in some ways, many bespoke tailors are doing certain versions of either straight to finish or what one might describe as made to measure, 
um, and the prices then will drop because the person does not have to come out to see you as much. But generally speaking, um, I think you should generally expect to pay about $4,000 for a four-piece suit. Or for $4,000 for a two-piece suit. Yeah, that mm. makes sense. Because I do feel like that's, you know, that's about what I was thinking the ballpark was too. In Because so many people like saying bespoke or saying um, CM, you know, or even made to measure, like bespoke in one place, you know, there was a place that I was talking to and they were like, they were saying they, they do what's called offshore bespoke. Right. And what that was is they were like, we measure you here here being in the city that i was at it's like then we we will cut your pattern here and then we mail your pattern to um another you know to another country and you you get a fitting and so like basically zero it, it was still done by hand but zero like physical manufacturing of cloth canvas garment was existing in there and they were trying to charge like around like I guess the equivalent of like three grand for it. And I, I saw some of this stuff and it looked good. Uh, but it was, it was like kind of confusing to me. It's just like the definition yeah. is so scattered. It is very, it's very, very um, scattered at this point because many countries are facing a shortage of coat makers. So in, in, in bespoke tailoring, you, there are. Want to hear the rest? Listen to the full episode and many more other exclusive episodes over on our Patreon. Visit patreon.com forward slash Blamo to sign up and join the Blam fam. You also get access to our exclusive members only Slack group where we chat about this and a ton of other things. So head over to patreon.com forward slash Blamo and we'll see you there.